before we go another moment. If there's unfinished business here in this church tonight, you need to take care of it now. You don't need to put it off. I don't need to preach. You don't need to hear me preach. You need to obey. That's bottom line, folks. You need to obey. What the Spirit saith unto you, do it. If He says for you to get up and walk around this church, start walking. If He says for you to go speak to somebody, go speak to them. All I'm saying is, be mindful of the Lord and obey. Obey. Just a brief introduction before we go any farther. My name is Arthur Yates. I pastored for over 20 years as a senior pastor in Wesleyan Methodist Church is where I began at. Before the merger with the Pilgrim Holiness and the uh, Wesleyan Methodist, when they became known as the Wesleyan Church. As a matter of fact, I was at the merger when the Wesleyans and the Pilgrims merged. It was an awesome sight to see. I pastored in the Nazarene Church, pastored in the Free Methodist Church, pastored in the Wesleyan Church. And after 20 years, I felt the Lord leading towards evangelism. My wife and I have a website. He should have it up, address up on there shortly. And any time that you would like to check it, you can find there our schedule, preaching schedule. To present time, I'm in school. Every single day, online school. Studying towards a Bachelor of Arts in Theology. God's helping for an 81-year-old man. Everyone thinks that's a little bit absurd. But for me, till the Lord closes these eyes and throws the dust in my face, brother, I'm going to preach His Word. I'm going to be faithful right until that last breath. So any time that you would like to check our website, I thought he was going to have it up there, but I guess it is. There it is. Write it down. Take a look at it any time that you would like to. Before we look to the scriptures, I want to ask you one simple question. I, I, I know what happened here this morning. I watched you online. Watch the entire service on live stream. What I couldn't see was what was going on down here. The camera didn't go down to take that in. But Brother Gill filled me in. But there is a question that we need to ask tonight. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Oh, yes, Brother Yates, I received him when I was born again. You're right, but you're only half right. That means you're only half saved, doesn't it? You're only half right. Because when the Lord descended back into the 
eternal glories with the Father. He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, a comforter, an advocate. One who would come along beside us and and lead us as he was doing. Only he would be more real to us than Jesus was. And he said these words. He shall be with you and in you. With you and in you. No in between. Now you couldn't be saved unless he had been with you. Been impossible. Because it is God the Holy Spirit that does the convicting of sin. It is God the Holy Spirit who provides the blood to your heart, to your soul. It is the God the Holy Spirit who cries unto the Father. Abba, Father, at the moment of your adoption. But He's still not in you, my friend, because you have not yet invited Him. But He wants to be in you. He wants to make His permanent dwelling in you. Now, something interesting, and this blesses my heart. He is as much God as God the Father. He's as much God as God the Son. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, guess what? God the Son lives in you. God the Father lives in you. And who can stand against you? So have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Let's look at the Scriptures for just a moment. And then we shall embark upon this spiritual journey. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Revised Version. Most of you, I'm sure, don't have this one. It's the first translation after the King James was done. But they still read close together. But they do read slightly different. So, stay with me. He's got them up there, so you'll be able to follow along. In the book of Galatians, Paul wrote in the second chapter in the 20th verse, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. What? Christ lives in me. Can you make that statement tonight? If you can't, You don't need to leave here without knowing it. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And now let's look at Romans. St. Paul's still writing. He's exalting Jesus. You know, that's what the work of the Holy Spirit is, don't you? That He will exalt me, Jesus said. He will reveal me. The Son. In all of His glory and His beauty. And here's what Paul said. In Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. 
For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection life. For we know that our old self, the old man, the old woman, the old angry, cantankerous you, we know that our old self was crucified. Crucified with Him so that the body so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free. Has been set free. Praise the Lord. I enjoyed Brother Potts' message this morning, and I have to agree with him. Right down the line. The greatest need. The absolute. Greatest need. That the church. And you as believers have today. Is not more money. It's not a larger bank account. A prettier house or nicer clothes. It is God the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christ-like life without Him being in you. So God wants to fill you with Himself. He wants to own you. He wants to write those checks. He wants to dress you. He wants to direct your conversation. He wants to control your relationship with this world. The world says the church is irrelevant. But it's only irrelevant because the church doesn't have God the Holy Spirit anymore. We have grieved Him right out of our midst. We refuse to obey That's why I opened up by saying that if you have unfinished business with the Lord, I don't care what it is. You need to be right here, right now. You don't need to hear me preach. You need to be right here, minding the Lord. So I want to talk to you just a little farther along this same line. Sanctification. We don't hear much about that anymore. But the Reverend John Wesley, who is considered to be the father of Methodism, actually we could say modern day father of holiness, he once said that when the Methodist church or the people who are called Methodists stop preaching holiness, they are on their way down to being nothing but a social club. And that's what the world sees you as, friends. Because when you're out there amongst them, they don't see you any different than they do any other social being. You go to the same places, 
You talk the same language. You dress the same way. There's no difference. All because that we have left out the most important ingredient. God the Spirit. And He's in the world for one reason. That He might separate a people unto the Lord Jesus Christ who is not ashamed of Him. Who will stand up in the face of all that's going on in this world today. Our churches are being invaded. Don't be surprised if some morning some people walk in here and they begin shooting. Don't be surprised. God the Spirit has been denied His place in our midst. And we quit honoring Him. We're in trouble. Now, there's a big misunderstanding, I think, many times on this word sanctification. We have quit preaching it for some reason. I don't know why. It's a very, very important doctrine. It is the doctrine of God. Go back to the book of Leviticus and reread it, friends. It's there. It is taught plainly and clearly. God laid it out. And it is your and my place. To obey the word of the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, Be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. There's another word that creates a lot of problems when we use it. And that word is perfection. Oh, preacher, don't go tell me that we can be perfect. Yes, you can be perfect. Yes, you can be perfect. You don't have to shy away from that word. But we've misinterpreted what the word perfect means. We seem to think that it is to be right all the time. To be all good all the time. No, it has nothing to do with your physical being. But it has everything to do with your moral nature. It has everything to do with purity of heart. I enjoyed that young lady's words a few minutes ago. I felt a burning. We often seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we forget something, my friends. We forget that He is to come in purity before power. And until our hearts are purified by the fire of the Word of God, there can be no power, brother. There can be no anointing. It is God, the blessed Spirit, who rules the church today. If you would be a part of it, you're going to have to be exactly that. An obedient servant unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word sanctification has several meanings. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, one of those is, and I particularly like this because I think it's scriptural, to set apart to a sacred purpose or for a religious use 
and a short word, consecration. Now, with consecration comes submission. That's submission. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've been a real debate that's being raged on the internet, Facebook especially, if you've been, been on there any time at all, about obedience to the authorities of today. I'm going to tell you something. You better go back and believe this blessed book right here because it says that you are to be subject unto the authorities that are appointed over you. And to rebel against them is to rebel against the God who gave those orders, who gave those leaders, who sent the Holy Spirit to back it up all the way. You will answer to the Almighty. And by the way, that submission begins in the home. The children obeying the parents. The husbands obeying and loving the wife. The wife obeying and loving her husband and obeying those who are appointed over them in the church. When that police officer says stop, instead we drive on through it. That was an authority you just disobeyed, my friend. You just obeyed the living God. Dr. John Oswald of the Asbury Theological Seminary once made this statement. The fact is, God is not too concerned about whether you are happy or not. But He is very concerned over whether or not you are holy. Yeah. So I ask you one more time. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You see, that was the question Peter put to Cornelius. They were believers. And they received. Did they not, brother? That was the question that he put to the Ephesians. Well, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell. Let me tell you something. Since the day that the brother called me about participating in this revival meeting, I have been much, much in prayer. Morning and night. Asking God to pour out His Holy Spirit upon the church once more. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember this. Brother Ray probably is here. My brother here probably is too. But I can remember the time when that in the church the preacher would be preaching and Holy Spirit conviction would dip down upon souls and they would begin to cry. And they would begin to run. And they would fall in the aisleways. And they would race to the altar before the preacher was even over with. Crying, oh God, take me out of this fire. It's burning my feet. 
brothers and sisters, we need God the Spirit to work one more time. As Brother Paul said this morning, oh God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I beg you, Lord, do it again. We need Him. Now, in these scriptures that we just read here a moment ago, there are three applications that stand out very clearly. And I want to cover them one by one as the Lord will help me. The first application we have here is that there is a death. Something must die. There is a death that must occur. I have been crucified. That's death, brothers, sisters. Hear me. But it's not physical death. This is not physical death he's talking about. Yes, Jesus was crucified physically. But this death that Paul is referring to is a death that occurs within you. It's a death to that old man, to that old woman, to that old rebellious self that gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to do it my way. God says, yeah, and you'll pay for it too. More literally, those words could be translated in this manner. I am being crucified with Christ. In other words, something once happened, but there is a continuation of this. Paul said, I die daily. Did he not, brother? Every single morning, when your feet hit the floor, consecrate everything of that day back unto the Lord and say, Lord, crucify me. And let me live, but you live through me. Let my words be your words. My thoughts be your thoughts. My works be your works. Every single morning, make a new commitment of the giving of yourself. Now, perhaps, just a little brief lesson in theology would come in play good right here. In Christian theology. Now, according to Christian theology, there are two sins, two types of sin. One of those is actual sins. That's those sins that you knowingly commit against the known will and word of God. When God says, thou shalt not steal, dost thou steal? When God says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, dost thou covet? When God says that thou shalt not do you anyway, thou shalt not rob, thou shalt not blaspheme, dost thou do it anyway? Those are the actual sins. But now there is another side to that. There is what is known as inherent or inbred sin. Now you didn't have a thing to do with this. 
Oh, Papa Adam did that to you. He passed on that terrible inheritance unto every son and daughter that is born into this world. Because when you are born, you are born with a tendency to sin. You don't believe me? Watch that little child when it gets down in the floor and throws his fist. Oh, no, that's not normal. That's that old carnality down inside that he didn't even know he had. But may I say, blessed be the God of all grace until that child is of an age. Normally considered to be 12 years old, but until that child is of a normal age, he is covered by the blood of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah for grace. Amazing mark. But now, that actual sin can be taken care of by the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary's cross. It'll blot it out. It will take those old sins and cast them into the sea of its forgetfulness. It will take those old nasty, dirty deeds, brother, and it'll put them behind his back. Never to be remembered against you again. But then time goes on. Somebody crosses you. Somebody kind of rubs your feathers the wrong way. And guess what comes out of your mouth? Guess what boils up out of your heart? Jesus Himself said that all sins proceeds out of the heart. Make the heart good, and you don't have to worry about it. That's where God the Spirit comes in. He will enter in. He will take care of that carnal person. He will make sure that that old man is crucified holy. He will make sure that that old woman is removed away that they never bother again. He will take care of the problem. That's where sanctification comes in. Once you have consecrated, dedicated, submitted all unto Jesus, no matter what it is. Brothers and sisters, He wants your bank account. Yes, He does. He wants your husband and your wife. He wants your children. Are you willing to give them away? Are you willing to release them into His care? The fall of 2018, December to be exact, my precious wife fell, cracked her pelvis all the way up and down on the right side. That night she was in such excruciating pain. The next morning we rushed her to the hospital. For the next ten days she had no clue who she was. Where she was. But God in His mercy and grace kept us. And carried us through. And never once did we blame the Lord for any of it. The blessed Holy Spirit was our comfort and our shield. He was our strength and our hope during all of this. And He takes us to the things of God. Yea, the deep things of God. And He reveals them unto us. Praise His blessed name. Now the second uh, thing that we want to look at here is... Let me get my things turned over here. There is a victorious life that can be lived. 
There is a victorious life that can be lived. Can you live above sin? Absolutely. Not on your own. You see, the Bible says that when Jesus saved us, He saved us out of sin, not in sin. He saved us out of. He took the sinning out. And He promised us one to come who would enable us to so live as that if there is one little stain or hint within, word, thought, or deed, that we will immediately flee to the Father and cry, Father, forgive me. And the blood of Jesus continually cleanses from all unrighteousness. Continually cleanses from all unright. Continually cleanses. Are you hearing? It's a steady flow from Calvary's mount that God the Holy Spirit directs right through your spirit and soul for the glory of God and the exalting of Jesus the Christ, the God-man. What a marvel. What a joy. We have a District superintendent in the Wesleyan Church. Oh, he's not a district superintendent anymore. Uh, Keith Drury. Did you know Keith Drury? <coughs> he was a district superintendent back some time ago. Of course, Brother Keith is with him now. But he, he, he told this story one time on his parents. They were from a foreign land. I, I don't remember what land it was. But they moved to this country. And his father got a job working in coal mines up in Kentucky. Well, every evening when they come in, he'd come in from work, he'd come in with those old dirty, nasty black clothes, and he'd walk right in, throw them down right there in the, what they call the clean room, and then he would wash up and go into the house. Well, one day, there was a revival meeting, a holiness camp that came into the air. He said, Mama went down to that camp. I said, Lord, behold, that night, Mama got saved. Mama got on fire for the Lord. And the next night, Mama went back to that camp and she got sanctified holy. And said so she'd come home telling Papa all about it. And Papa left that next morning. He said, we'll see how sanctified she is. And we'll just find out how sanctified she is. That night when he come in from work with all those old dirty black clothes on, he walked right through the house didn't stop in the clean room. Went right on through to the bedroom where Mama's white Chanel bedspread was on the bed. He took those old black clothes off. He throwed them on that bed and smeared that white bedspread just as black as it can be. And said, Mama said, well, praise the Lord. And went and picked them up and put them in the wash. The next night, he done the same thing. And he said, Mama said, well, glory to God. And took him and put him in the wash. And said, Daddy got to thinking. Then he told me, he said, Son, if your mama can get saved and sanctified in such a way as such it doesn't bother her, then it's for me. So he went to the meeting and he got sanctified. It's for you. It is for you. God withholds no good guilt from his children. No good gift. 
in this heart that is living this victorious life, there is a law at work. It is the law of love. For John Wesley said that if you seek anything other than love, love for your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, if you don't seek anything but that, and love for your neighbor, then you seek amiss. Now, I guess I have to ask you at this point. Does your neighbor know that you're saved and sanctified holy? How many of them have you testified to? In the last couple of years, I guess. Maybe it's been longer than that. But God has really, through the Holy Spirit, has really been putting a pressure on me. And I have found greater freedom in witnessing to people that I have never met than I have ever known in my life. And do you know something? They don't laugh at me. They don't curse me. They don't reject me because they know that it's done out of love. How do you love your neighbor? Come on. Let's be honest with ourselves. How do we love our neighbors? You can live a victorious Christian life. A life like Christ. There's no more, no more resisting of God in His Word. No more short tempers. No more prayerlessness. How hard is it for you to pray? Do you find it difficult? My prayer time, I'm usually up every morning before before five o'clock. That's just been habit for years now. And normally by 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm bowing before the throne of eternal glory. And the fastest 30 minutes in any day are those 30 minutes that I spend on my face before the sovereign. And God the Holy Spirit helps me to pray as I ought to pray. Brother Seabree, God the Spirit enables. He does. John Wesley wrote this. In a Christian believer, love sits upon the throne which is erected in the inner, inmost soul. Namely, love of God and love of man which fills the whole heart and reigns without rival Within. Now, God never forces you to surrender. That's a choice you, you must make. Can you not see the smile on his face when you surrender everything? Why, it just bursts all over your soul when he smiles. Mother Daniel is just a joy that bubbles up from the depths of our being and just flows upwards and, and tears begin to flow and praises begin to come and, and thanksgiving of words that we didn't even know that we had. Blessed be His holy name. 
Oswald Chambers wrote, Your entire life should be characterized by an eagerness to maintain unbroken fellowship and oneness with your God. Oh, blessed unity. Blessed unity. Now the final application that I would like for us to look at out of our scriptures that we have read here is this. There is a divine source of this victorious life. It is not yours, but it is His. There is a divine source. For Paul said this, Yet not I. However, in me, Christ now lives. In me, God the Son now lives. And He lives for a purpose. What is so amazing to me. And let me tell you, it is amazing because in, in our studies we've been going over this in systematic theology. But what is so amazing to me is this. God gave Papa Adam only one command. Only one. He didn't give him no ten commandments. He didn't list all of them thou shalt not. He did not. His words to Adam was this. Of all of the trees in the garden, thou shalt eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. But into that paradise there crept an evil being. A benign spirit that was so vicious and so vile that he called into question God's word. He caused Eve to first question, and then he caused Adam to question. Did God is God withholding something good from me? The church is practicing things today, my friends, that they should never, ever, ever participate in. All because we have questioned. God's Word. God's Word is eternal. God's Word is life. God's Word is truth. It always has been and it always will be. When you pick up this blessed book and begin to read the next time, be aware of the fact that God right now is speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now. He didn't speak to you a hundred thousand years ago and He wrote down, He's speaking to you right now. This was preserved so that you may know. But we question. And then we doubt. And then we say, well, I'll do it my way. May God help us, folks. There's never been a day I don't believe. Like I said, I'm 81 years of age. And I don't believe there's ever been a day that I have seen when the Christians 
needed a fresh baptism of God the Spirit than they need this day. Would you dare? I'm going to ask you this very hard question. With all the rioting that's going on in the streets, would you dare go out there and pass out tracts and witness? Huh? Come on. Come on now. We're hitting where the rubber hits the road now. Would you dare? Why not? Do you not believe that God meant what He said and said what He meant? Do you not believe that He can build an hedge of protection about you so that everyone cannot touch you? Do you not believe that? Are we questioning God's Word? Are we doubting that the Almighty meant exactly what He said when He put it down in this precious book? And guess who it was that inspired those writers to put those words down? Guess who it was? God the Holy Spirit. God breathed them, Christ instructed, and the Holy Spirit pinned them. And it is truth. And it cannot be denied. And when it comes judgment day, guess what is going to judge you? The Word. Here it is. The Word. John 1 1 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God that came down to man personified in the person of Jesus Christ who said that He was going to send another Comforter, another Advocate, one who would be with us and in us, and that He would guide us into all truth. And yet when He speaks, I don't believe that. No, God didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. One of the writers of the Old Testament said this. In the last days there will come a famine. Not a famine for bread or for wine. But a famine for the hearing of the word of the living God. Nobody wants to hear the truth anymore. We want to heap together for ourselves teachers who will tickle our ears and make us feel good about living in our sins, uh, about the believing that we're going to be able to one day stand before the judgment bar of God and He's going to say, Oh, you goody, goody boy, come on in. It ain't going to happen. Hear me. It ain't going to happen. As I said at the opening of this message, If you've got any unfinished business with God, with Jesus Christ, if you've got any unfinished business, if there's an enmity against someone, if you've got hard feelings against someone, right now, the Holy Spirit's put His finger on it already. You know that. If there's anything, you may think it's a small thing. But God doesn't think it's a small thing. If there's any unfinished business, tonight is when you 
need to take care of it. Because God is here. The Spirit of the living God is moving amongst us tonight. I can sense Him. I can sense Him. I can see Him on your faces. As He moves through this congregation, I can see Him on your faces. I can see Him in the way of your expressions. Yes, He's here. And He's here for a purpose. So there is a divine a source, a divine source of this wonderful life. Oh, blessed unity. Oh, the glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is God. Third person of this blessed Trinity. And if He is in you, then God the Son, God the Father, abides in you. Because the three are one. And the one are three. Amen. Now, if God be for us, who can be against us? Huh? Come on. All in whom Christ Jesus lives, lives in union with the Son of God through faith. But only, only, hear me now, only the entirely sanctified Christian experiences the crucifixion of the old eye of the biblical nature. I no longer live, Paul said. And yet I live. But not I. Christ in you. The hope of glory. John Wesley wrote on this subject, We understand that God has fulfilled the faithful word. From all your filthiness, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. We understand hereby, one whom God has sanctified throughout in body, soul, and spirit, one who walketh, in the light as He is in the light, in whom is no darkness at all. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, having cleansed Him from all sin. Did you hear that? Cleansed Him from all sin. If the Methodist Church and holiness doctrine in particular survives in this generation, brothers and sisters, we're going to have to get it and hold on to it and practice it and preach it to our neighbors. Do you love those souls enough that you will pray all night for them? Has God laid anyone on your heart yet? Let me tell you. I shared this with Brother Al and Scottsville Church back when I held a revival back there some couple, three years ago. But I was praying one night and the Lord gave me, I believe, a vision. And in that vision, it was startling. It was scary. I mean, honestly, I trembled like it was that scary. But I saw this long line of people coming around this away. Just a long line of 
They were three or four abreast. They were moving very slowly, kind of like zombies. They were moving, ever moving, only. And I looked again, and I saw the cross off to their left back there. They walked right by. And then I looked again, and I saw the church sitting off to their right. And they walked right by. And do you know that nobody came out of that church to try to arrest them and bring them in? Nobody. And the Lord spoke to my heart and He said, The church is asleep. The church is asleep. It must wake up. And only God, the Holy Spirit, get up. Are you understanding me? Am I making it clear to you tonight? Oh, I pray that I have been clear that my words have been clear because I love you. And I have spoken in love to you of what God wants for you. This is God's will for you. Every last one of you. He doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care where you're from. How rich or how poor you are. It doesn't matter. He loves you. And Jesus died for you. And let me further say, according to the law, Jesus died outside the gate that He might sanctify the people. That's the law of sanctification. Go back to Leviticus and you'll find it is so. And Jesus died outside the gate. That He might sanctify you. That He might set you apart unto Himself. A holy vessel. If you go to the first part of the book of Revelation, guess what God calls you who are sanctified holy and are walking in the light. You are priests and kings unto the Lord your God. Priests and kings. You get elevated, sister. From a bishop to a priest. To a king. John Wesley said on this business of sanctification, this sanctification, which is indeed in some degree the immediate fruit of justification, but nevertheless is a distinct gift of God and of a totally different nature. The one implies what God does for us through His Son. The other, what He works in us by His God's got a gift for you, just like Brother Potts said this morning. He's got a wonderful gift for you. Praise His name. Now there's some of you, I'm sure, who are thinking that this life that He's talking about is just totally impossible. He doesn't know my lot in life. He doesn't know what I have to put up with. That cantankerous wife of mine. Or that sloppy husband of mine. I have to go around and pick up after him all the time. Preacher doesn't know what I have to live with. How is it possible that I could live such a life? 
It's this. Well, then, I've got a question for you. Does this mean that God is a liar? Because God says it is possible. So does this mean that God is a liar? Would you make him out to be a liar? According to God's word, this life is possible. For did he not command? Now hear me. Did the Lord God did not did he not command? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Did he not? Did he not further command? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Perfect in love, divine love, agape love, love that passes all barriers. It doesn't see color. It doesn't see status. It loves pure, holy love. And it is in a heart like this that God the Holy Spirit can live and work most dramatically in this world today. It is yet to be seen, John Wesley said, what God can do with one soul who is fully yielded unto Him. Are you that soul? Are you that one who is so hungry for the Lord that you refuse to be denied? I pray you are. I know I am. I don't know of a time that I've ever been hungrier and I told the Lord that, Brother, Brother Ray, a time and a time again, I said, Lord, I'm so hungry, I feel like I'm starving to death. I'm so thirsty, I feel like a man in the middle of the desert. But you are the bread of life. You are the water of life. And he who drinks of your water will never thirst again. And he who eats of you will never hunger again. Speaking this of God, the Holy Spirit, who would indwell in you. Are you hungry for Jesus? Hungry to know Him better? Hungry for a closer walk with Him? Are you thirsty? Please stand with us as we close. Please. Father in heaven, I just the Spirit of the Lord has enabled. Thy servant has done as thou hast commanded, and thou hast poured out his heart and soul before this people tonight. And now, Lord, it is up to you. It is in your hands. In the blessed Holy Spirit, and I pray, oh, how I do pray, that that conviction shall settle down upon us in such a manner that we will flee from the wrath to come. In the great and powerful name of the living Lord, I pray thee. Amen.